Now, if you have your scriptures with you, you might want to open them up to the fourth chapter. And I'm just going to just follow along with me here. As you're opening them up, um, let me tell you how this sermon kind of got in here. I, I, I can't, uh, in a year, exposit every verse of the Gospel of John. And I've got to tell you, this, this particular passage didn't make the first uh, preaching list. Uh, and I'll tell you why. It doesn't, it doesn't need a preacher. It's so simple and so direct. And there's no like innuendo that you would miss or, or, or uh, um, anything that you couldn't read on your own. And so I just was going to skip over it and go to another passage. Um, but after I'd made the list out, God wouldn't let me alone on this passage. And so um, um, there's somebody in here who needs to hear this. Because I didn't want to preach it, but you need to hear it. So you figure out if you're the person, okay? Because, uh, because there's, it's just real simple stuff, but God wants you to hear it from somebody's mouth apparently this morning. Um, this passage is on signs. Um, and, and, and we do have to have some theology of, of signs in, in, our, in our walk with Christ. Because there's two extremes in the Christian family. One is... Uh, there are people who just don't believe in supernatural things anymore. They just they say, look, I'll, I'll believe the whole gospel thing. You show me the scripture, I'll try to do right. Uh, but I'm not going to be doing uh, just this, you know, all this fluffy, you know, surprising stuff. I think, the, I think the, the whole thing ended with the apostles and that was that. Then there's the other part of our family that says, I ain't brushing my teeth without a sign. You, Lord, you're going to tell me I'm not moving. You got to drop it on me because I'm just not going where till you tell me what to do. Now, there's 80% in the middle who wonder, should I ask for a sign? How, how do I know what God wants me to do? Should I ask him? And if I ask him, what do I look for? Um, this, in, in case I forgot to, forget to say it, this is the essence of this scripture. This scripture says, you should always ask, but you shouldn't need a sign before you start to move. All right? You should always ask. But you shouldn't need a sign before you start to move. Follow along. I'll I'll begin in just uh, verse uh, 46. And I'll just tell you some stuff that you probably already know, but I'll say it again. Uh, 46b, actually. And there was a royal official whose son was sick at Capernaum. And you heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, and he went to him and was requesting him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Jesus therefore said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. The royal official didn't go away. The royal official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Now, the first thing I want you to see is the different approaches people have, uh, Jesus has in presenting the gospel to people. You remember a few weeks ago we talked about Nicodemus. Nicodemus was an intellectual. He was a Jewish religious leader. And so he was looking for some intellectual construct to explain this whole, you know, we, see, we know you're a teacher because you do these signs. Give me some intellectual grasp. And Jesus looked at him and said, well, you got to be born again. Well, that's not something an intellectual can grasp. That's not an intellectual concept. And so in order to jar him out of that, faith comes by proper analysis, Jesus said, no, this is an existential thing. You've got to experience this thing. you just got to give yourself to God and get born all over again. 
So his answer to get the intellectual out of his usual construct was to tell him to get born again. And then he faced a woman at the well, outcast woman, a needy, needy woman. This married woman had been married five times. And she was living with a woman, living with a man who wasn't her husband. Now, now that, that says, even if she got divorced five times, uh, let alone traded up, you know, tried to keep trading up, there's something, something inside, you know, that's, that's empty. I mean, she's looking for something in those relationships and she didn't find it in the relationships. There's some, there's some, there's some void there. Jesus looked at her and said, you know, if you let me come in, I'm going to give you a wellspring of water. You'll never be empty again. You won't have to go out and try to find it in somebody else, something that nobody can give you but me. But here was a man who did know what he wanted. See, Nicodemus and this woman at the well really didn't have a clue, but this guy knew exactly what he wanted, and he asked. He asked. But Jesus said, you know, there's a few barriers we're dealing with here. There's always a few barriers in there. And so he, he said, I want to I address these barriers. Most of the time when we ask, God doesn't go, okay, I just waiting. There's, there's, a little, there's a little hump to get over here. There are a few things you've got to look at. Now, I'm very interested in Jesus' answer here because it could, have, it could have taken a couple of different tones. It could have really been a remonstrance. It really could have been a rebuke. You people. You all, and, and, it, and it certainly was an open lecture that everybody could hear. You people need a sign before you'll, you'll ever believe. Now, he was saying there is a type of theology, and some of you have done this with God before, that is tantamount to theological blackmail. It says this, God, if you want me to believe in you, you're going to have to do something. And that kind of makes me the center of the universe, you know. You got to prove yourself to me. And it's theological blackmail. I want to tell you, God has absolutely no interest whatsoever in building that kind of relationship with you. Uh, you some of you girls know what this is because you've been through emotional blackmail with some people who looked like they want to form a relationship, but they just wanted the. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a nice way to put this. And this, and this, this is what they say you know, if you really love me, this is what you'll do to prove it. Don't go there. That's not about love, is it? You don't want that kind of relationship. Because that's not about a person. That's about getting gratified. So when we go to God and say, God, if you really love me, this is what you'll do. God's not going to go there. God's not going to go there. And he wanted that known. Jesus wanted that known. But yet, that probably wasn't the case with this man. Because he went ahead and did the sign, didn't he? So he didn't see that in this man's mind or heart. What he saw was desperation. See, this man knew Jesus just well enough to ask him. He didn't know much about him, but he was in a, he, this was an emergency situation. And he knew he didn't deserve anything. But what could he lose, you know? By the way, some of you are afraid to ask God because you say, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't talk to him on a regular basis. And now that I'm in a fix, I'm going to go talk to him. That makes me feel like a hypocrite. Let me tell you something. That's not good strategy to solve your problems. I've never talked to him before, so I'll just tough this out myself. This is not a smart strategy. 
Yes, you haven't talked to him on a regular basis. Don't let that stop you. Do what this guy did. What do you got to lose for kind of go to him, ask him. But Jesus said, you know, you people want to see some sort of sign and 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 for you'll believe. And I wonder if if another kind of voice that Jesus had, I don't know whether you've ever experienced this or not. Have you ever experienced somebody who said no with their mouth, but yes, with their eyes? Have you ever had that? Somebody who kind of strung along a little conversation with you just to kind of engage you, just to kind of tease you, just kind of saying, come on, see if you see if you won't see if you won't get discouraged. I had a, I had a third grade teacher, Miss Bethel. Joy was her first name. And boy, she was. She was. As a matter of fact, she's still alive. This woman is still alive. When my dad died last year, she came to the funeral home. I couldn't believe it. 80 pounds. She never weighed any more than 80 pounds. Just walked right in there. She's got to be 110 years old. She, she wanted a spring chicken when I was in third grade, you know. But I can remember going up and, and on a nice day, boy, you just think, oh, anything to get out of this classroom. What could I do? to what, what, All your creative powers in trying to get out of the classroom just to go outside because it's sunny. And so I'd go up to her and say, Miss Bethel, you, you know, those, those erasers are getting awful chalky, dusty. Could I just go out and bang them off for you? You know, just do a little work, just do a little service for, project for you. And, and, I, and I can remember her. She, oh, like I got nothing else to do but to look for somebody to bang the erasers. Is that, is it, like I've got time for this. Well, I, well I'd, I'd say, I, I, I didn't mean to disturb you or anything. Oh, she'd say. Like you deserve to go outside on this nice sunny day more than anybody else in this class. Is that right? Oh, no, ma'am. I didn't try to. I wasn't trying to say that. Oh, because I just like you so much because you've studied so hard. I'm supposed to let you go out and bang the erasers. Is that correct? No, ma'am. I wasn't. Oh, what? When you were supposed a half an hour ago, when you were supposed to be studying history, did I not see you looking at Kathy Johnson? Uh, yes, ma'am, you did. I, I, I just was just glanced. I didn't mean anything by it. And one night you, probably an hour ago, tearing little strips of paper up that could end up as spit wads. Well, I wasn't. I just was playing with a paper. And then she'd do this. She'd do something like this. I suppose that you think then you, when you walk in that door every, every morning with that cute little tooth missing in your smile and those little freckles on your nose and that little burr haircut you got that you think, I think you're cute. Oh, I don't know that you do. <laughs> so you think I even noticed you like I would even notice you. Oh, I don't, I don't know that you would. Oh, when I hear your voice out in the hall, I'd say, oh, I'm so glad Joey Hunter's at school today because I really like him. I suppose that's what you think. Oh, I'm not sure you do. (laughs) Well, she'd finally say, you can go. You can stay out there maybe just even a little bit longer, but I don't want you to think that because I let you do this, I really like you. (laughs) Now, I want to tell you that was the sweetest potential refusal. I mean, I, I, was, I was up there and it was getting to the place where I didn't care whether I got to go out or not. <laughs> I was just enjoying the conversation. Wouldn't it be great to have a prayer life with the Lord that you really didn't care what his answer was, you just liked the conversation? So there's this, there's this thing, and I don't know what exactly is happening with Jesus and this man. 
I just know that when he first gets refused, he doesn't leave. I don't know whether it's because something in Jesus' eyes or something in his life that he knows he's got no other alternative. But I know this. Some of you may be getting discouraged enough right now because you haven't felt God has answered your prayer soon enough and you're about to walk off. Don't you do that. Don't you do that. You continue in that conversation. You continue listening. Because Jesus will give you a word. He really will. There's just a timing issue here. There's just some obstacle you may need to take care of. But don't you walk off in discouragement. Now, I want you to see what happens. And and you know what happens from the reading of the word. But I want you to see a point here. Jesus said to him, go your way. Your son lives. Now, that could have meant anything. I mean, you read this in a Greek, it, it can mean anything. It just means your son, it could mean your son hadn't died yet. Um, but it does mean this. I want you to go home. Go your way. Now, home is 25 miles away on foot. 25 miles away. This guy has absolutely no assurance that Jesus is going to do anything. But he thinks, maybe it's in the tone of the voice, he thinks Jesus is going to answer his prayer. And so at the word of Christ, before he sees anything, any kind of sign at all, he leaves. It says this, and the man believed the word that Jesus, had spoke, uh, that Jesus spoke to him, and he started off. And as he was going down, his slaves met him, saying that his son was living. So he inquired of them the hour when he began to get better. And they said, therefore, to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at that hour which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed in his whole household. And this again was a second sign. I want to I just ask you something here. Do you have the kind of faith? There are four levels of faith in here. I'll tell you about them in just a minute. But do you have the kind of faith that you really believe what God says to you. That you can believe that the general word of God, even when you don't know exactly how to interpret it, is for you. Do you have that kind of faith? I, I went to uh, the uh, uh, dedication and celebration of Asbury's uh, seminary this week. And an old friend of mine, Ajith Fernando, was uh, preaching that. An old friend of ours, actually. And uh, he asked a very interesting question. He, he, talked about, he talked about how discouraging ministry can get. And I know all of you feel like this. You're, you're out there and you just don't know if you're, if you're doing good and the circumstances come and you get all worn down and all drained. And, 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 and then he, and, and he says, I know, I know what ministry is like. But then he said this, why do you get discouraged? Don't you believe God? And I'm sitting there going, Yeah. I mean, let me ask you. God said, all things work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Do you believe that? And if you believe that, why are you still discouraged? Do you believe enough to walk a long way just on the basis of his word? Do you believe enough When you haven't seen anything change yet, just on the basis of his word, to believe that word is for you. 
I was talking to a lady this uh, week who teaches at Bible Study Fellowship, and, and, uh, and she said, you know, I was really kind of discouraged with my teaching because she doesn't feel like she's a very good teacher. All of us who, te- who teach the Word of God don't feel like we're very good teachers. It is very intimidating to teach the Word of God. I mean, and, 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 and many of us, no matter how long, I've been doing this for 30 years now, and I still get so... Um, Nervous, so I mean, it's like it's kind of like a football player before the game, before I preach, and I and I still say, who am I to have the privilege to teach the word of God? All of us feel like God should have found somebody better. So I know very much what she's talking about, and she was just feeling like, you know, I just don't know that I'm suited for this. And then she came a couple of weeks ago. When I, was, when I was preaching on uh, Jesus turning the water into wine. Now, this wasn't any, anything close to what I was thinking. But God never needs to use what I'm thinking. She sat there, and as she heard that scripture, God said to her, that's what I'm doing with your teaching. It's water when it leaves you, but it ain't water when it gets there. Because I'm turning it into the best wine. It's not about your ability. It's about mine. She believed enough to know that this general word was for her. That was the word of God to her. Do you believe it? Do you believe enough to walk a long way without seeing anything yet? Do you believe it? That's what God wants you to know this morning. That that is a valuable thing. Because when you do start to walk, God will communicate. He'll bring those people who gives you the news that something's changed. And then when that happens, you've got a choice. You can either say, good, that's over. Or you can say, hmm, I want to check this out. I want to check to see if this is really God. See, that's what this guy did. He didn't just get relieved because he knew that signs are not about relief. They're about relationship. Signs are not just to give you some goodies in your life. Signs are to show you that God is with you. That's the, that's the, that's the whole uh, uh, benefit of signs. C.S. Lewis used to say, you know, a miracle is something that God does locally and immediately. But it's just what he does generally in his nature. So that anytime God does something for you or to you, he wants you to see that same thing again and again and again when he provides it all your life. And so a sign is not just to have something spectacular happen. A sign is to have, build a relationship. And that's what this guy was doing. When did that happen, he said? At what hour? See, he's looking. Is this how I'm going to get close to Christ? Is this who Christ is? And when they named him, he said, ah, it's the Christ. You know why? Because he went through this little computation in his head. This is what I want you to do in your heads. When something weird happens to you, when, when God just, you know, gives you something that's out of the ordinary, I want you to ask yourself what this guy asked himself. What are the chances of that? What are the chances of that? I mean, that's what a sign is. It's something unusual. And then after you ask, answer that question, man, there is no chance that would have happened by chance. 
<laughs> it's just, no, I, just, I think God's afoot here. There's some sort of divine conspiracy. Then what happens is that you begin to see more and more his little interruptions in your life. You take less and less for granted. And you see him in a wonderful way. There was, in this passage, four levels of faith, not one. The first level of faith was this. That this man, even though he didn't know Jesus very intimately, knew him well enough, or at least knew who he was, that he was going to chance to ask him. I hope all of us in here have at least that level of faith. I hope all of us know that even though your relationship with God may not have been intimate so far, at least when you need him, you'll go to him. That's a certain level of faith. Hey, going to ask God. Will it hurt? You know, he could blast me, but what will it hurt? I got no, I need him. That's one level of faith. Second level of faith is that which I named, and that is to have the kind of faith that when you hear the word of God, you just do it. You don't have to have proof. You don't have to have something drop out of the sky. You don't have to have some uh, corroborating evidence. You just do it. You've got the level of faith that is obedience. Third level of faith is when you do discern that God has spoken to you specifically. When you do discern that God has entered into your world, that you have a different kind of belief than you had before. One was a belief of obedience that that engendered. Another was a belief of gratitude. God, you are so gracious. You have given me what I don't deserve. Thank you. And the fourth level of belief is that you don't keep it to yourself. The whole household believed. Why? Just because the boy got well? No. They had to have him tell them about Jesus. And all of them came to faith in Christ because it was too good for him to keep to himself. Something happened that day that would change this man's life and everybody who loved him forever. It was just one sign, but I guarantee you he never looked at that boy again without remembering God. He never saw anybody he, got, anybody he loved get sick again without remembering God and God's wonderful gift to him on this day. As a matter of fact, he saw the whole world differently. I read a story last week. I'll end with this. The little boy had come to a place in his faith where he just was tired of all this invisible stuff. You know, I mean, he just, he wanted to see. He wanted to see Jesus. You know, he wanted to see God. So I went to his older sister and he said, Sissy, does anybody ever really like see God, like see him? Well, the big sister says, No, no. God lives so far away, way up in heaven, you can't possibly see him. Now, we'll see him when we die, when we go up to live with him, but he lives way too far away to see. Well, he was okay with that. I mean, kids do well with what they perceive as the truth. If they they think you're shooting straight with them, they can do about anything. You know, they can... But he still wanted, you know, a little second opinion. (laughs) So he went to his mom. Mom was a person of faith. And he said, Mom, 
Does anybody ever really like see God? I mean like see him, like see him, see him. Well, the mother said, no, honey. He, she said, you know, God's spirit. And the spirit comes and lives inside of you. And you can, you can kind of feel him sometimes. And, and you can be aware of his presence. And, and he can give you inklings and just little signal he's there. But you don't really see him. Well, okay. He was okay with that. But about a week later, he went fishing with his grandfather. Now, his grandfather was an old saint that had been walking with the Lord for years and years and years. Kindly man, always had a grin on his face. And they're in this little rowboat, and they're out in the middle of the lake, and they're fishing, and the sun's going down. And his grandfather's grinning the whole time. <laughs> and finally, the, the sun went down beyond the horizon, and, and all the clouds turned orange and pink. And, oh, it was gorgeous. And his grandfather just reeled in his line and just laid that fishing pole down in that boat and just looked at that sunset. Just marveled at that sunset. And there was something, that light on his grandfather's face that just kind of reminded the boy of his question. And so he said, you know, I wasn't going to ask anybody else this, but Grandpa, does anybody ever really see God? I mean, really see him. He looked at him, he said, honey, I've come to the place in my life where I don't see much of anything else. Pray with me. God, let us see glimpses of you that we might come to the place in our lives where we just don't see much else. Lord, give us many of us, the courage to ask you for stuff we need. Even if our relationship hasn't been great, you're still God and you still love us and you can still give us what we don't deserve. That's how we got salvation in the first place. So Lord, help us to ask, even if we don't think we deserve it. Secondly, Lord, help us to obey, even when we don't know how it's going to turn out. But then give us a sign, a signal here and there. And when, we, and when we get it, help us not just say, oh, good, that's, that's good. Okay, that's good. Help us to, to say, now what was the chances of that? God, this is you, isn't it? This is you. And help us to see that so often that on down the line, we can't see much else. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.